Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. I can't believe we're doing this, Kenny. (laughs) It's actually insane that we're here again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Here we go, episode 52 of Not Another Leafs Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. At Ken Stapon, at B McCarthy95, at LeafsPod, at HockeyPodNet. And a reminder that this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. DraftKings Sportsbook is not only my favorite sportsbook, but also America's top-rated sportsbook. I love using DraftKings Sportsbook. It is so easy to navigate, has plenty of instructions for new bettors and nearly limitless ways to get in on all the action. My friends and family have been loving DraftKings, and I know you will too. Listen to this great offer. DraftKings Sportsbook is putting you courtside with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in site credits. That's right. Pick any basketball team that is still in contention. Bet $1, and if that team wins, you win $100 in site credits. Don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook also offers great odds and promotions on baseball, hockey, and so much more all week long. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. What do we want you to do? Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. Bet on your basketball team of your choice to win their next game, and if they do, you will claim $100 in free credits. That's promo code THPN, only for a limited time at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 years or older, New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Wager paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. 
See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In all seriousness, I know a lot of Maple Leaf fans and I have a lot of friends of mine who do use DraftKings Sportsbook and they hedge themselves on Game 7. They hedge themselves by putting a ton of money on the Canadians so that even if the Leafs lost, they would at least still get a payout and feel good about something. So that that was, I know it's like a red advertisement, but in seriousness, I did have a lot of people that did that and it turned out to be the right decision. I, I can't believe that we're doing this again, but here we are. The Maple Leafs have another first round exit against Montreal after blowing a three to one series lead and they're golfing. At least golf is open in Ontario. I saw the Mitch Marner had a tee time uh, earlier yesterday. So luckily for the Maple Leafs, the golf courses are open. But I can't believe that this is the position that this organization finds itself again, finds itself in again, BMAC. Isn't this so weird, Kenneth? Like, I, I am sour. <laughs> I'm so sour and confused. But also, like, nine months ago, we were pretty much doing the same song and dance post-Columbus Toronto series game five. We were just dejected, and here we are, May, and it's just, I'm just confused, man, because this was the team, this was the team to do it with. Sorry, May 30, May 31, yeah, they they won't even sniff at June, but it's just, it's tough because obviously the pressure is just insurmountable sometimes for these players, but you're ultimately professional athletes, and the social media hate is ridiculous. And Marner can do what he wants on his off days, just like any other human being. So let the guy golf. But in terms of playoff performance, you stunk. Absolutely reeked. Like, it was it was horrible to watch. And they're going to continue to be pretenders right now, Kenny. That's the identity. Because they're, they're regular season kings. They can do magical things in the regular seasons. All these feats, all these individual accomplishments, right? There's some bright spots from the regular season. But when you turn the page and go to the postseason, this team freezes. And at some point, it's you just you can't blame anybody but the players. This is not on Keith. This is not on Dubis. They basically Dubis was effectively like, here you go. I, I've done my I've done my job. Keith can only basically spew the message out so much. It get, sure it runs dry, but it's on the goddamn players. And they didn't perform. They they soiled their pants. They really did. And it's it's we have to basically you and I and the rest of Leafs Nation and the players have to stew on this for three, four months. I, I can't believe we're actually doing this the podcast to wrap up the season. Just to be clear, I don't hate on Mitch Marner for going golfing. I thought it was more I was more just ribbing Doug Ford for keeping golf courses closed for so long. Uh, in fact, I'd prefer that he's doing something, you know, getting out. Uh, socializing and anything to get his mind off of what was another awful performance in the playoffs for his team and an awful series for him. No goals, uh, no goals now in 18 straight playoff games, one goal for big poppy, the big boys didn't show up and we've talked about it, you know, ad nauseum, as we like to say throughout (laughs) the regular season, that the regular season accomplishments didn't matter. Nothing was going to matter. Like we, I know we felt good about the Rocket. That'll be nice to look back on at the end of Austin's career. And those are certainly the awards that start to pile up and fill up the shelf. And you can feel good about that at the end of your career. But right now, does it matter? No. 
It doesn't. Like this team was always going to be judged based off what they were able to accomplish in the postseason. And after shortcomings against Washington, Boston, Boston, Columbus, and now the most monumental. This is the most monumental one of them all against Montreal. Absolutely. Three to one. You're up three to one. You're the definitive favorites in the series. You were seven, two and one against this team in the regular season. You were 18 points clear of them points wise in the regular season. You finish at the top of the division and NHL's regular season standings. As far as all the teams shook out, I believe they would have been in 18th place. The analytics community had them at 80% favorites to 20% to win the series for the Maple Leafs. The only series that was more lopsided than that was Colorado and St. Louis. And we saw what happened to the blues. Colorado just walked right over them with the broom. This was the biggest choke job that I've ever seen out of this team. It was worse than the, you know, the blown lead, the four to one Boston lead, because you had three chances to close it out and you couldn't do it. And you were the favorite. Nobody was picking Montreal coming into this series because they shouldn't have had a chance. And they, and they blew it. Like, as you said, they soiled themselves and lost three straight games. They let Montreal up off the mat. They find themselves in a definitive game seven in a barn. That's, at 2% capacity, and they can't get it done. It, it was awful. You know what pisses me off more, Kenny, is finally we get, albeit 550 fans, but deserved fans, frontline. Deserved fans, yes. De- deserved fans, frontline, frontline workers, also. healthcare workers, and they got to witness an absolute crap shoot. I, I feel bad for them because the Leafs just did not, like, at least there has to be some sort of incentive. Okay, it's game seven, obviously, pressure is mounting, but here we go. Here is here is a here's a sample of people that have been continually supporting us and and basically allowing us to to get back to some normalcy, and they play the worst goddamn game of the season, of the season. It was the Ken. It wasn't even like an exciting game to watch. Like it was just dull. There was nothing like nothing. They just ah, it was horrible to watch. Horrible to watch. You know, in the first period as well, it was kind of a low event game. And I was thinking, ah, you know what? I don't really mind that. But the more and more as the game went along, I did begin to mind it because you're playing right into Montreal's hands. Yes. You're playing, you're, you're playing into that. We're going to gum up the neutral zone. We're going to be physical. We're going to you know chip the puck in and punish your defenseman. You're playing into their style. You aren't dictating the terms of the game. And ultimately... Montreal was rewarded for it. You know, they get kind of, they were opportunistic on offense. Uh, They get a bad goal from Brendan Gallagher. We think that's fine that we can say that was a bad goal. Jack Campbell was very hard on himself post game. I'm not going to go so far as to say it was the worst goal he's ever given up his career, but it was the worst timing goal he's ever given up in his career. And ultimately, like you can't hang any of this on Jack Campbell. His statistics in the series were better than Carey Price over seven games. But Carey Price was better in four games than Jack Campbell was, including game seven, where he shut the door and Toronto just didn't have an answer. And I feel like an idiot for, you know, doubting this guy, you know, because obviously he has another gear in the postseason. We've seen it time and time again. I had confidence in the Leafs ability to solve the puzzle based off the offensive pedigree that they'd shown against him during the regular season. Obviously, I was wrong. And the team isn't able to overcome, you know, a two nothing deficit in the in the final game 
I know the final score, it's like you had a couple empty netters and the Leafs get one late, but basically like the game was two nothing late into the third period when Toronto pulled the goalie for the first time. It's just a, a total, total disaster. And you mentioned the general manager. I don't put any of this on Kyle Dubas. In fact, he mortgaged Absolutely the future not. trying to give this team an opportunity to win this year. He brought in the appropriate pieces to, in case there was injury. He brought in depth defenseman Hutton. He brought in depth forwards and Foligno. I paid a hefty price for that, by the way, for him to come in. Pays a hefty price, brings in uh, Riley Nash. He brings in a backup goaltender, a third-string goaltender, in case anything happens to the first two, or for some reason Anderson wasn't able to go. Dubas gave his team the best opportunity to win, and this team was never going to have an easier path to get to the conference finals than they were this season with Montreal in the first round and then whoever the hell was coming out of the Edmonton Winnipeg series in the second round and they squandered it. You know, you call yourself a confident team and that you can compete with the big boys. Will you look at around the league right now, Kenny, Colorado, Boston, just killer instincts, killer instincts. I mean, the Leafs would get dumped. If that's how you're going to perform against the Montreal Canadiens, Really? Like, congratulations to the Montreal Canadiens, okay? You yeah. played your game, you shut them down, you shut you shut down a highly touted offense, offensively gifted Leafs team, and obviously the Leafs were heavily favored going in. But are you telling me if that type of play in the postseason and that type of performance from your top guns, you really think McKinnon or Mark Stone or Vasilevsky is going to, like, sorry, like, you're done. Like, they lack, they lack the closer mentality, and they don't have the killer instinct. They were acting as if it was, like, game four of the regular season, where, they, you know, they almost have time. Like, remember when they went through that little six-game skid, and it's like, oh, it's fine. They're still going to finish first. Like, they weren't playing meaningful, like, shifts. It just didn't seem like they were had any sense of urgency at all. It was, it was just really, really bad. And, you know, I know it... <laughs> It like recency bias and everything you, you can say like oh Marner's been god awful in the postseason, well really since 2017, 2018 like he just hasn't really been able to perform, and it stinks because he was what the fourth leading point getter in the league this year, and here we are with the the four of the best players in, in the National Hockey League booted from the postseason. It's just it's mind boggling, man. Edmonton give... and Toronto, and sorry, just the last thing. Edmonton, yeah, Toronto, yeah, no regular season kings, choke jobs in the postseason, and that's going to be that's like it's worse. Like obviously a sweep is worse, or sorry, obviously a sweep is bad, but the, what the Leafs did is is way worse. Considering they had it, they had it at their fingertips. Yeah, and I want to give uh, credit to Montreal. I don't just want this to be a le- berating the Leafs. Because Montreal came out with a game plan and they were able to execute it. Definitely. And, and good job on Mark Berger then. He brought in the players that ultimately made differences in the series. You know, Eric Stahl had the stick check on Marner with his weird move at the blue line that results in the first goal. You know, Corey Perry gets a greasy goal. It's those sorts of guys who he adds in the offseason waiting for the playoffs and they showed up. And, you know, kudos to them. You, you, I don't think you have to apologize for having one of the best goaltenders in the world. You know, we berate his contract all the time, but ultimately a $10.5 million goaltender was able to shut down nearly $50 million worth of forwards for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So tell me who the asshole is, because it certainly seems like the guys in the blue and whites are got the, were taken advantage of and that price got the better of them 
in this matchup. And it's it's inexplicable based off of looking at everybody's expectations coming into the series, based off the expectations for this group this regular season. Uh, like, I don't even know how to explain it. I joined our good friend uh, Ross Levitan on his podcast earlier this week on uh, the next day postmortem. He actually asked me if I wanted to watch the game with him. I uh, eloquently declined. He asked me that too. I, I respectfully declined as well. I didn't think that was uh, the right the right move at that time. I to be watching Game Seven with someone who is an avid Ottawa Senators fan, and the next next day I jumped on his pod. I was like, "This is a twelve out of ten choke job for this group, a twelve out of ten. That's that's it. They they can't get it done. You hear Stephen A. Smith berating them. I'm like, man, like Stephen A. Smith covering hockey and calling them the Dallas Cowboys of the NHL." is both hilarious and kind of a true narrative because I, every year it's like the hype is there and it's the, you know, how about them Cowboys? And then the postseason yeah. rolls around and they go eight and eight or seven and seven and nine in the regular season. Maybe they're competing in the NFC East because that division is crap, but it's like, then they get into the playoffs and they just get wiped and it's a total disaster. And it's happening to Toronto year in and year out now. I was laughing about this with my roommate yesterday. Could you imagine the Leafs? I just have to laugh at this point. Imagine the Leafs just don't make the playoffs next year. I think you'd have to just curl up in a in a ball and just like call it quits on the sport, really. I mean, because it's just, as you said, there's so much anticipation every year. The only pass year was 2017. Remember the whole of the kids are all right. Yeah, you took the Caps to, to six games. But ever since then, it's just been, you know, first round playoff exit after first round playoff exit. And as you always remind me too, you know, you can't even really call the Columbus series first round goddamn playing round. And they couldn't even sniff past that. So you guys are going to be labeled as just pretenders until you can figure it out. And I really like you can finish in the eight seed next year. And I wouldn't even be surprised if they get early on booze from now uh, granted people are going to be people are going to be happy to be back in stadiums yeah. but that is just the 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 cutthroat uh nature of being surrounded by leaf fans really like i would i wouldn't be surprised if they hear some raining booze early on because everyone knows it's the same old song and dance yeah like crush it in the regular season get over 100 points but you ultimately don't perform when it matters most and it's a lot of pressure to play in the city but it's it's how you deal with it. You guys aren't youngsters anymore. This isn't 2016. You have your you have your core. Matthews and Marner are getting into their mid 20s. Shape up, because right now, if if you're Kyle Dubas, who has to greet uh, or handle the media later today, players are happening this morning, I believe. It's gonna be it's gonna be tough, man. Like the questions they have to ask. Like holy Christ, like you, oh. It's going to be, yeah, it's, it's going to be tough. No, it's going to be difficult on Kyle having to answer those questions. And it's going to be a lot of, you know, what's the plan moving forward? You know, we're in, uh, I don't know what year we're into. We're into what year seven of the Shanna plan now. Yep. And that, that's all well and good, but the team is yet to have a first round playoff win. And how long can you sort of keep going along with the same plan if it's not working? And you mentioned the regular season success. Next year, the regular season is going to be uh, presumably the longest 82-game season for the Toronto Maple Leafs organization because Damn right. th- it's not going to matter what they do. No. It's just going to be 
Like they could win. They could go 82 and 0. Yeah. The team could win every game. <laughs> yeah. And nobody's going to care. Nobody's no. going to care. It'll just be, you know what? You know, they're labeled as chokers now. They're labeled as players and a team that can't get it done because they can't they don't have the mental fortitude between the ears to play the same game that they play in the regular season once it turns into the postseason. And it's up to them to rewrite that narrative. But until they're able to do it, and this year certainly seemed like the year where they were at least going to be able to win a round. That's all. At the, least. I don't, that, I don't think that's too much for the fan base no. to ask, is it? No. One round. And this One was the team to do it against because next year, Kenny, it's going to go back to the, the old divisions. Boston, what if you draw Florida or Boston Florida. in the first round? Yeah. Right? Then it's like, yeah, okay, yeah. like, oh, even if they won a round, like, people would be put at ease. It's like they won a freaking round. Like, they, they changed the narrative slightly, right? I was thinking the only thing that could be worse than this is if Toronto, for some reason, like, comes out, has an outstanding regular season, finishes first in the Atlantic, and then at Boston and Tampa finish in second and third, and then somehow Ottawa sneaks into fourth, <laughs> and then they end up being matched up against the Sens in the first round. And we have, just have to deal with the Sens sickos oh, <laughs> in the first round of the playoffs. No, and you mentioned Kyle Dubas's availability as well. He's going to have a lot of difficult questions to answer about what what they're going to do with this group, you know, whether he's going to come back to war with them. And I don't want to be, you know, overreaction Wednesday now at this point, where you know we saw the hot takes flying around all over the place. You know, trade this guy for that guy, trade this guy for that guy. I ultimately feel that they're probably going to roll it back with these four players Yes, to trade them at this point in time. Like, and by the way, Nylander had an outstanding series. He, he was the best forward, one of the best players on the ice game in game out. One of the few players on the team that I can highlight and say, yeah, he got it done. He performed, he elevated his play from where he was at in the regular season to where he was playing in the postseason. So not, no, no hate on him. But I ultimately, and ultimately, I think they're going to roll it back with these four guys. Uh, not the, the least of which reasons why is that I'm not sure what you get for them. I'm not sure what you get for any of these players if you're trading them. JT obviously has the no movement, so he's not going anywhere. You're not trading Matthews. You're not trading Nylander because he's cheaper and because of his performance in the postseason. So the only player of that group that you're thinking about trading perhaps is Marner. And what would you get on the open market for him? Well, who's a suitable partner? Are you going to trade him to Calgary perhaps? They're open for business, likely to sh- make some shifts on their core. Buffalo, Columbus, like how many partners are there that are going to be willing to take on a $10 million winger? Obviously very talented, but it's not as easy as trade a star cl- player on a big contract as everybody makes it seem. Like it's not NHL be a GM mode. Like you just propose a million trades and keep tra- changing the draft pick from a seventh to a sixth to a fifth until they accept it and try to get the best deal possible. That's not how it works. And if, if outside of that, what do you want to do with the rest of the core? Do you bring back Frederick Anderson? What are you going to do with Zach Hyman? Uh, how, what are you going to do with all the other spare parts that are fitting around in the bottom six to bolster this lineup? I think you roll back, as you said, Kenny, the four. Like When you look at the, the landscape of, of the entire roster, it's not that bad. I know a majority, like we had to basically have a reaction to it. But when you look at the roster, okay, they're still in good shape. Okay, I can say that because you got your, you got your core four and... You got your top four D-men fully intact. You got Muzzin signed. You got Brody signed. You got Justin Hall at two mil for the next three years. You got Morgan Riley on one more year. Bogosian okay. becomes a UFA. But what and about then, expansion, though? Because you well, can't then, protect all those four guys necessarily. And, and, you know, well, you I can mean, if you do the eight-skater option. 
Yeah, you can. And then, uh, you, so you protect those four and then you yeah. attack the big four and then you are just expose it, exposing, I guess, Kerfoot would be the guy who would get snipped up likely. And that's likely. Probably, and that's probably, you know, it's three and a half million dollars in cap space, like silver lining. Obviously you'd prefer to keep that player. I thought that he looked good, really good. I thought he had a strong series. series. Yeah. yeah. But, and then you look at a lot of the guys who are, are coming off the books this year, Kenny, I think you got to dial in on Jason Spezza. Sign him back cheap. I think he would be willing to do it. And I think you got to probably, you know, get Felino somewhere on a, on a bridge deal. And then that would probably expose Hyman too. He's going back. You think to he's going back to Ohio, eh? Yeah. I think he likes it there. His family's there. Um, I think he has strong roots in the Columbus community. I think that also, um, yeah, there's, there's a Joe lot and of Wayne, there's I think, are gone too. There. Like, like it, it was a one shot. Uh, run at it and unfortunately I know Wayne was was sniffing around Montreal for, for before signing in Toronto but I mean yeah for, for Joe and Wayne that that kind of stinks too because they they wanted to make a, a, a run at it and signing a one-year deal but I don't think you know they have room for them there's no room for them I don't think so it's gonna be it's gonna be a yard sale that this offseason man what do you think of the coaching in the series the coaching, I I was really really sh- surprised with because Dominic Ducharme is just a mild demeanored man, and you don't really see him get as irate as Keith. But I think he just quietly, just kind of stuck thorns in the side of what Keith was was rolling out there. As as you always like to say, like they gum up the neutral zone. God, the neutral zone was a big big thing for me. Like they just couldn't penetrate through. And and the Habs would just clog it up every goddamn time, and I think he just obviously outdueled Keith, but he he managed his lines well, where he could just he was just shutting down the Top Gun so well in the way he crafted those lines and ultimately outperformed him as an interim coach. So kudos to Dominique, man. Yeah, I put a, I give him a lot of credit, especially for making the switch to bring Jake Evans into the lineup. Yep and scratching Tatar. And basically what he did was he turns Deneau, Gallagher, and Tatar into a glorified checking line. Pierre Lebrun was talking about this on Overdrive the other day. And it wasn't necessarily a role that Gallagher was extremely happy with, but he did it extremely effectively. And they were able to shut down Austin Matthews, and they had to forego some of the offense, and they were basically playing exclusively against the Matthews line, which is the benefit that you have when Tavares goes down. We haven't really gotten into the injuries, but to be honest, I don't really care to because I think that when you add depth players at the trade deadline to protect your roster against stuff like that, certainly when you lose your captain, that's a big loss. I think you have to figure out a way to overcome it when you're the better team. Uh, And when your GM gives you the pieces, the extra pieces in the trade deadline to sort of compensate for that, you have to find a way to get it done. Um, I thought that that line in particular was outstanding for Montreal. And then the veteran players, like we said, the additions of Stahl, the addition of Perry, uh, their back end was playing a physical game. Um, it, it was just a masterpiece from the Canadians in defending and keeping shots to the outside. And Carey Price was Carey Price. The one thing that I wonder about, and I heard this on the Leaf Report, and I thought it was a great point by James Myrtle, was that the Leafs are obviously a puck possession team. You oftentimes see them, you know, if they're coming up the ice and they don't like what they see, they'll kind of flip the puck back and get, you know, a line change and kind of regroup and then come up through the ice rather than pressing forward. 
at the at you know at the earliest opportunity and then potentially turning the puck over. I think in this series that played right into Montreal's hands. It was the adjustment that maybe Keith should have made and said, we need to get pressure on these guys and not let them get their checking set up in the neutral zone. Because you saw what happened. They're they're calmly snapping the puck around to the defensive zone. Okay, ready to go. And now all of a sudden they're just hitting a brick wall through the neutral zone because the checking is set up. And I wonder if there should have been adjustments as far as uh, the puck possession versus the you know quick attack you know, sort of try to spring a guy, catch them when they aren't necessarily set up, gain the zone, and then, you know, ha- get your four, get your, um, get your four check set up, get your cycle set up. I wonder if there should have been more emphasis on that. I also wonder why we didn't see more line adjustments from Keith in this series. He kind of turned into Mike Babcock a little bit, where he was just rolling out the same guys every shift. Uh, we saw Neilander playing with Marner Matthews a little bit from time to time, but you know, at a certain point, you have to understand that your big guys aren't going. And would you not be trying to, you know, maybe give Nylander a stiff with Matthews, maybe move Marner somewhere else in the lineup, try to get him away from that to no line, get, maybe get a little bit of a different look? I understand that they were, you know, a potent combination during the regular season, but I was really surprised by that. He was pretty adamant with, with his with his lines. That That's a good point to bring up. And, you know, at the start of, I believe it was – Game five and six, he started Simmons with Matthews for the first shift. I almost would have liked to see something of the sort like that um, play as a trio longer because too many times it was just, okay, you know, Marner, Matthews, Hyman. Like, it's just Hyman shouldn't be the one generating the most chances. He had the, I probably led the team in shots in game seven, and, and Hyman's not a shooter. So, it's, it, you know, Price is going to eat that up all the time. I would have liked to see, yeah, more more line shuffling, more line combinations. Simply put, Kenny, the Leafs are a talented team. Montreal is a playoff-built team. All around, top to bottom, they clearly proved it. The Leafs are very talented, very skilled, but clearly not a playoff-built team. Here's a tweet from our friend of the show, uh, Rachel Dory. Carey Price is the first player in NHL history to win a playoff series with a salary of more than a $10 million AAV. That's according to Cap Friendly. No other player in NHL history who has made more than $10 million uh, average annual value has won a series until Monday night. I'll throw <laughs> the in, Leafs have three of them. I'll throw in uh, my tweet of the day as well uh, from Stu Jeffries at Stu Jeffries. For all of you who just want things to get back to normal, you got your wish last night. <laughs> I thought that was great. I was just scrolling through Twitter and everyone's just blowing up, man, but... Yeah, you know I guess what, that means there's a bit of normalcy. You know what it is? It's a, like the thing that bothers me the most is that this group is now becoming a laughing stock. I know. And I don't mean a laughing stock as in, you know, the Maple Leafs are a laughing stock. Obviously, it's a world-class organization. They treat their players really well. Uh the history there, playing in Toronto, all that, we understand that. Uh, they have transcendental talent on this roster. I think a lot of they have respect in the league as far as their top end talents of John Tavares, Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, Nylander. Uh, on the back ends, they have respectable a respectable decor. The job that Jack Campbell was able to do this year. So not on the ice, but their fan base, the fans, are now a laughing stock. Yep. And Brian Hayes was talking about this Monday. It was, a, it was I told my girlfriend, or he was talking about it on Tuesday, rather, and I told my girlfriend this, you know, on Monday night. I was like, that. It, it, I was like, we're a laughing stock. 
Maple Leafs fans are a laughing stock because now it's not only your Bruins fans who are going to give you the gears. It's the Montreal fans. who are going to give you the gears and it's the Senators fans. It's every team in Canada now can just say, yeah, well, you know what? You guys can't get it done. <laughs> and people will say, Oh no, it's like that. That might be a little bit harsh. I think like Jason Strudwick was, uh, you know, friend of the show on overdrive was on, on that show on Monday. He was like, no, laughing stocks a little bit harsh on Tuesday. Rather, I keep getting the day screwed up. He's like, laughing stocks a little bit harsh. And they proceeded to laugh at the, all the guys on the panel for the next 15 minutes. And it's just, it, it's inexplicable. This one, I can't, I can't understand it. I'll never understand it. I, I think I, 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 I don't get it. I think you and I, we've never actually done this, but I think you and I deserve to be at the library bar this week. And we will be in some form. Uh, on your on your back deck this weekend with your pops and i think yeah big I show think we need a... winnipeg yes uh, big big fan of the show yeah, he's paying the homage to uh to toronto to take care of uh some business some business moves so yeah he will be back and you, you know, and i, I are say, rightfully so at the at the bar this week yeah and i say all the rest of leafs nation too and i was going to yeah. cut out the library bar segment this week i'm not doing around the league i'm not doing I'm well, I was not going to do the bar segment, but I do like this idea. Yeah. I'm going to be at the bar for sure. Like I <laughs> yeah. honestly, yeah. it's like, what are we I drinking, man? I wasn't even drinking, watching the game on Monday because I was like, uh, and I cracked a beer and I was like, nah, this doesn't really feel right. Like I'm not really in a celebratory mood. And uh, it proceeded to go downhill from there. Uh, on Tuesday though, I was just listening like at, at work last night. I was just listening to, like sports radio and just like all the podcasts during the day and just getting, you know, the lay of the land of how everybody's feeling. <laughs> I, I had to crack a couple while I was just listening to the fallout. I was like, Oh man, like I knew it was this bad, but then there's the affirmation from every other sports media outlet in Toronto and elsewhere of how bad it is. I honestly just wish I could watch this, this team with ease. Like why? Like so many other fan bases is like okay, I can dial into the Bruins Islanders and I can witness like a thrilling game, like the yeah. whole game seven. I'm just bent over. I'm just like God. Like, yeah. ah, I'm done, man. Let, can we wrap this up? <laughs> yeah, well, there there really isn't much left to say. Uh, yeah, so we did record this on Wednesday, June second. Uh, Kyle Dubas's media availability later this afternoon, so remains to be seen what he has to say about this group moving forward and uh it'll be interesting to see what the direction of this team is moving forward it's going to be a busy off season i'm not forecasting any cataclysmic changes but i think that it's going to be a very uncomfortable meeting for brendan shanahan kyle dubas uh with larry tannenbaum and the mlsc board trying to explain what the hell happened here because first round exits are not going to fly over forever you can craft a pretty generic question to to management Dubis and 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 Shanahan and they'll spew back a generic answer but sometimes Kenny I'm, I'm thinking like man what do you ask the players at this point like do you just basically ask what you asked at post Columbus series like how do you how do you hey, think Mitch, Shanahan, you shoot at lion's head how do you think in Shan how do you think Shanahan and Dubis were feeling on Monday just watching their two best players just completely ghost them this is another tweet that I saw uh and I'll throw this one in just at the end here before uh, we get out of here uh, it's Adam Wild, uh, flat out. Kyle Dubas put together a great team this year, and his two best players have ghosted him this series. We deserve better. He deserves better. If they can't miraculously come back, the changes will be volcanic. 
Now, I'm not sure about the volcanic changes part. I think everybody needs to take a deep breath, and we'll see what the management team decides to do. I still have faith in this management group. But certainly, like, oh, man, Kyle just must have felt sick to his stomach and betrayed watching Mitch and Austin in this series. Betrayed. Definitely. Betrayed. Betrayed betrayed that they did everything he could in the manner that they played were able to and capable of playing up in the regular season and that they didn't show up. And when you're so top heavy like this with like four players, that are going to make a bunch of money. Then you need all four to perform. And so when one of them gets knocked out of the lineup and then two of them decide they're going to take a mulligan on the series, then you're in big trouble. And that's what happened. And I, if I'm Kyle Dubas and Brendan Shanahan, I would have just been feeling sick to my stomach watching that game seven on Monday night, understanding the lack of production from my two best players through the series. I'm sick to my stomach, man. Yeah. And I mean, uh, when you watch the other teams, when you watch Boston, it's Bergeron, it's Marshawn, it's Pasternak. At, game in, top game guns out. perform when, when it watch, matters when most. You watch Colorado, it's Nate McKinnon just slicing through the whole Las Vegas defense to lead them to a, a blowout in game one. And for the Leafs, it's crickets. It's crickets. It's John Candy and cool runnings. You choked. You were ready and you choked. <laughs> oh god Great movie by the way yeah anyways yeah we, yeah we can wrap this up uh this is the post-mortem edition of leaf spot for the second consecutive year and uh thanks I for listening we need like we need like, <laughs> we need like <laughs> onion as our like extra music like we don't i don't even want to play like our like typical i well, we probably will because we love joe bowen and he's a and he's a friend of the show but yeah we need some like solemn music to, to get us out of here i don't know Maybe yeah, you know well, no music. No music is good music. Editorial decision on your behalf, since uh, yeah. you're doing the editing today, which I appreciate. By the way, it's always nice. Uh, we we split the duties generally for our listeners, but yes, it's nice that uh, you're taking care of that this morning. Anyways, yeah. I've got nothing else to say. We've been ranting for about half an hour on this topic, <laughs> and there's like yeah, I'm 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 numb. I'm numb to it at this point. I'm not surprised. And uh, thank you for. What, what episode is this? Episode 52? 52, Marty Marinson. Is that only fair? <laughs> the oh. specialist. All right. The Martin. Thank you for listening to episode 52, <laughs> the Martin Marinson episode of Not In Our Leafs podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Remember to toss us a follow on Twitter at Ken Stapon, at McCarthy 95 at LeafsPod, at HockeyPodNet. We'll catch you next time. Marinson. Two can say.